Welcome back to Put Down Your Chainsaw. The comedy podcast where we talk about important novelty albums and singles, then make up things about them. You may have noticed that we've been gone for a few weeks, and that, my friends, is because Justin and I both got real jobs that pay us actual money. And that's money. on top of other jobs that pay some money, too. And what's that called, Justin? The gig, gig economy? Gig. Correct. Saying the word gigs comes easy to performers and composers because we've been undervalued for decades. And seriously, who needs the spread of information to be done through illuminated and convenient voice art. What possible purpose could that serve? It seems to me the world of podcasting is woefully devoid of financial immensity. Its influence has exploded exponentially, so you'd think it'd be a transnational economic juggernaut. You'd think. Well, soon enough, plutocrats. Your audio-only dominion is inevitable. Can we talk about Rodney Dangerfield's penis now? You've just hit play on Put Down Your Chainsaw, the podcast where we discuss important novelty music albums and singles, then make up facts about them. Some facts are kind of true, but most of them are for entertainment purposes only. If you're curious about the actual facts of the subjects we cover, please independently verify them and do not rely upon us as a source of factual authority. If you have not heard the recordings we're talking about today, please pause and make yourself familiar, because we'll only be playing the shortest of clips for demonstrative purposes. Enjoy! I am... Justin Fauntleroy. I am Jacob McAllister. We are going to discuss the single, the Mega 45, tearing up the charts. The year is 1983. 1983. Really? Yep. Guess how old I was then. You weren't. Guess how old? Negative six. Negative 12. Ew. And how old were you, Justin? I was just negative. So you were quickly approaching 71. I was climbing up the seniors chart. As uh, is uh, Rodney Dangerfield at, at that point in time as well. He was born 80 years old. His poor mother died in childbirth because he came out as an 80-year-old man. And then She he- said, oh, my vagina doesn't get any respect. And that's where his act came from. Those were her <laughs> last words. I gave birth to a man. He was 80 years old. No respect. <laughs> he, was born- no respect. <laughs> he was born in 1921. So he was 62 when Rappin' Rodney came out. Good for him. That was when he was about to make Back to School, which is his biggest movie. He was ubiquitous. I totally remember. Caddyshack came out in 1980. He also appeared in the 2000 Adam Sandler film Little Nicky, playing Lucifer, the father of Satan. That's his second biggest thing, at least for my generation. I'm not even fully sure that he was a real person, so... (laughs) You still don't believe it. I don't. That was his real thing, like his act. That was who he was. In what world... Does a millionaire 60-year-old white man get to complain that he has no respect? It wouldn't fly in 2018, that's for sure. In the 20s, when Rodney Naturefield was born. (laughs) I'm not even sure that the 20s happened. He was just broken down. You don't understand because you haven't had to wear a suit and go and sell aluminum siding to people. So he was the schlub archetype. You youngsters don't know what schlubs are because there's no schlubs anymore. What do you guys say, loser? Loser, yeah. Loser. Freak. Those Loser. don't apply. Schlub. schlub. What would it, what would that be now? Like a whiner. No, that's not what being a schlub's about. No. You guys don't have schnooks? That's a Dr. Seuss animal. A schnook is a little stupider than a schlub because it's got a K, so it's a little harsher. But schlub is just you can't help it. Well, can I get no respect? I took some Viagra and my nose got red. I'm a schlub. I don't know. I, this is an era that doesn't really make sense Did to I- me.
How would he incorporate Viagra into his act? Something about he takes Viagra, but then his wife ends up having sex with someone else. I was on a boat, and I took Viagra, and we got 12 knots off course. It made me the rudder. <laughs> I took some Cialis, and my wife wasn't home. That's that's all. <laughs> what would he think of a fleshlight? A lot of the problems he complains about have been solved. You know, nobody will have sex with me, so... You know, you can just go buy a flashlight now. Yeah, it's not really a solution. Speak for yourself. You haven't seen my collection. I have one that glows in the dark. Do you have one that uh, reinforces your ego? I don't, but I can get yeah, one. So you know that I have one that you can record up to three phrases into it and press the button whenever you want to hear a phrase. So really? I think I could repurpose that one. So you could have it just say like, I'm going to town on You're it. important. People need your work. <laughs> you have something to say. Yeah. If you took a Viagra on a boat, you would be most certainly be made the rudder. That's a really specific flashlight. Well, you can record the phrases. I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to criticize. Rappin' Rodney, we got a little off course there. We haven't even talked about it even a little bit. No, not even a little bit. I'll tell you why I love this song. It's the, the impetus behind making the track. The inspiration, which was, what a, I gotta put out some song. I got, I'm real, I'm hot right now. I gotta put something else out. I can't, I'm on TV, I'm in the movies. This has gotta be something else. What are the kids listening to? They're listening to rap music. Well, Rodney, this is his manager. Uh, well, Rodney, I my son it listened to an album. It's got the, the drums and, and the guy talking, but he doesn't sing. I think they call it rap music. And then his caterer is, comes in. He's like, Rodney, we're all out of the, the pork loin. Uh, is steak okay? And then he leaves and he makes the steak. Oh, and he makes a steak sex joke in the middle of the song. Is that what you're talking yep. about? Yep. I definitely tied that in on purpose. So yeah, Rodney thought to himself, he's like, uh, what's going to be the easiest thing I got to do the least amount of work for? He was like, I already, I already got things that I say. Not all of them rhyme. I'll just make them rhyme. Rapping Rodney, that's good. It's got some alliteration. Yeah, I'm rapping. I'll put a boombox on my shoulder. What's a boombox? I got to take a cortisol shot just to get it up on my shoulder. Like a flashlight. I really like the naked cash grab that is this song. Yeah. Like all naked cash grabs that Rodney Dangerfield does, he does it well. Yep. He puts his heart into it. I was just going to say that. It's way better than a naked <laughs> cash grab should be. It's just a throwaway that he gave a shit about. That's the best reason to do fucking anything in this world, is to do your best and do it for the purposes of naked capitalism. This podcast brought to you by Naked Capitalism, premiering at AdultCon this year. <laughs> your course of action for the last 300 years. <laughs> Ooh, I want to talk about everything, but let's start with the production. Okay. There is, in this song, the most amazing Tom fill that, that ever existed. It's very disco production. It's very much like early hip-hop, which is why it's very close to my heart. It's clear that Rodney Dangerfield was willing to exploit and appropriate black culture. However, he got actual authentic people from the hip-hop world. Bashford and Franklin. And um, J.B. Moore and Robert Ford, mm -hmm. who produced The Breaks. The famous Curtis Blow song, a huge and a very, very early hip-hop track. Sugar Hill style single, where Sugar Hill gang, Robinson, the genius that she was, even before people started getting busted for sampling, realized that she's not going to actually sample. She's going to just have a band replay it. I bet you rapping Rodney, somewhere along the line, you could, you'll find a funk song that is this exact beat. But this is still very early hip-hop by a comedian who is very early second-wave Borscht Belt comedian. Yeah, he started on the Borscht Belt. This song is pulling two different periods of the 20th century together. 
tooth and nail, like clawing them together. Two styles that shared the same streets. But doing a pretty good job of it. And I, I love, love, love the backup singers in this song. They absolutely make the song for me. Uh, they go all in on the chorus. And yeah. Well, if it's a J.B. Moore and Robert Ford track, it's going to have great session musicians on it. So who are they? Bashford and Franklin. Really? And then there's also a geologist team called Bashford and Franklin. Whoa, that's a coincidence. Bashford Dean was an American zoologist. There's more jokes in this song than I think jokes written in the 21st century. More good jokes. Set up punchline style. I'm not saying it's be, nobody does it, but nobody does it as well as Rodney Dangerfield does. It just in this like five minute song. He it's old school. It's couplets. Wraps it up nicely. A Henny Youngman is first species counterpoint, and Rodney Dangerfield is second species counterpoint. Yeah. Yep. Set up joke. Set up joke. Comedy coming in twos, not in threes. Not in beats and not in heightening. I played hide and seek when I was three. Why they couldn't even look for me? Starts out kind of bad. That's the first one of the song. And it's like, eh. My father was disappointed he wanted a boy. Okay, well, this shows its age a little bit. But then it gets to like some that are still funny. Like on Halloween, I had to trick or treat over the phone. That's how the Simpsons prank calls got started. And Matt Groening took inspiration from this song. And it never aired. But the first one, Bart calls Mo and just goes, trick or treat. And Mo goes, ah, oh, well, I ought to stick a railroad spike up your ass and then kick your face until it, you know, and then they're like... Grind your teeth up into yeah, the exactly. meal and make bread out of them. And it never aired because the writers were like, well, Bart just said trick or treat and Mo reacts like this. So then they had to go change Bart's right. first phone call to something that would make Mo more Instigate upset. Him. Ah, death, where is thy sting? A lot of suicide <laughs> jokes in this song. He's an intellectual. In 1983, he's a little bit ahead of the... Not ahead of the curve, but... Who are intellectual comedians? No, uh, suicide jokes are increasingly popular in the 21st century. And then he just drops like three references in this yeah. song. When during sex, I lose my place. <laughs> We've all been there. Steak and sex, my favorite pair. I have them both the same way, very rare. Very rare. Yeah. His fucking cadence. He preserves his cadence and adapts it perfectly to the genre. You realize his flow in a comedy routine is transcendent and it works in any context. Yeah, I like to think that he just went in and did like this whole song in one take. He has a little more musical knowledge and charisma than people give him credit for. He's one of those old-time performers. Fake it till you make he, it. He just sings Ave Maria yeah. out of nowhere just to fill some time. They grew up just knowing that stuff. Where you'd have to do three comedy shows, and in between that, you'd have to dance, you have to sing, and maybe box a couple rounds. Those are real entertainers. I got a kidney-shaped pool with a stone in it. <laughs> That's just magical realism. Dr. Vinny Boombats, I said I wanted to stop aging, he gave me a gun. That's the second suicide reference, and it's also very funny. <laughs> on the album that Ravin Rodney's on, he's got one of the, my favorite jokes of his. Yeah. Side 2 is called Rodney Rappin'. Side A is Rodney Rappin', Side B is Rappin' Rodney, and Rodney continues rapping. One of those routines, every time I get an elevator, it's always the same thing. The attendance is going down. Not even that funny. It's just like <laughs> chilling. Yeah, this down. album peaked at number 83 on the Billboard Hot 100. That's not even a novelty chart. That is the, the charts. Chart. Yep. He also earned a Grammy nomination for Best Comedy Recording. I bought some quicksand. The deal fell through. Because quicksand falls through? <laughs> That's just kind of a pun. I called not suicide prevention. They put me on hold. Each verse of this song has a suicide reference in it. There are three total, and it's like... They all go damn. to that place. Yeah. Well, um, gets no respect. He's serious about it. Oh, the heaviness. That's a real thing. This is depression. The heaviness. Is the heaviness. He actually says some serious things. The opening line is like, oh, I'm okay now, but last week was terrible. That's not funny, but it's just a weird thing to say. 
Well, you know what else is weird is the end of this song uh-huh. makes no sense to me. It's all over, and then I'll, somebody <laughs> help me. Hey, bartender, who's that guy with my daughter? Where's my wallet? How do I get out of here? Stop that dancing. No jokes. It's just like a confused old man. He's chaperoning like the high school prom, calling the punch person, the bartender. It's so confusing. The end of this song, the first time I heard it, I was Where like, are my kids? What? Excuse me? The whole song is about you and how you get no respect, and then all of a sudden you're looking for your kids. <laughs> Takes a turn. It's not afraid to go there. The song employs like a studio fade. It's a good metaphor for his character at the end of the song. Just kind of fades into oblivion. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, that's a whole other level, too. He's got some very basic going down, going down stuff. His whole cadence is he keeps going down. He keeps going lower, lower. And he's shaking as he's going down. That's how Rodney Dangerfield speaks. Yeah, I do like his vibrato. I'm always up against the wall. I'm falling in a pit of despair. But he ascends to heaven. In the video. There's a bold choice. Yeah. But he's always drawing attention to the fact that he's going down. And of course, he doesn't have a very good time in heaven. He's had many imitators in, in Rodney Rangerfield, who uh-huh. he would take Rodney's jokes and attempt them in a questionable light. He would say them up. Halloween, right. I had to trick-or-treat over the phone. I do, why do I have to deal with this? It makes sense to millennials, the up talk. I and said I wanted to stop aging. He gave me a gun. We love you, Rangerfield! Yeah, I don't love it, but some people do. Uh, I bought some quicksand, the deal fell through. I called suicide prevention and they put me on hold? It's almost its own old-timey sort of stand-up delivery. You can't believe this, and they did this to me? I should be so lucky they put me on hold. It's not the opposite of Dangerfield, it's just tweaking. The not funny version of it, and it's not as dark. So you can look up Rodney Rangerfield if you're interested in... He never wrote any of his own material, it was all Rodney's material, and he just gave it a spin and... Just gave it a great spin, made a little bit of extra money in the music. Oh, he died destitute and poor, at a very young age as well. He kind of became obsessed with the Bloodhound Gang at the end of his career, and pumped a lot of money into their production, and they ripped him off, didn't pay him back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel? They just didn't get him. They just ripped the poor man off. So Crodney Dang- Dangerfield died. Crodney Rangerfield. Sorry. He's the one that produced the yeah. the bad touch. Crodney Rangerfield. They both died destitute. It's Crodney Rangerfield and Crodney Rangerfield. So it was a Rangerfield, Rangerfield production. They were brothers. My parents were so poor they couldn't buy a second name. Second name. Second name. I get no respect at all. Ultimately, that's why audiences didn't connect with Crodney is because they weren't sure if he was getting respect yeah, or not. Yeah, he was just asking a question. That's just the assertiveness of Rodney Dangerfield that really sells him. Rapping Rodney, fantastic. And I know this was weeks ago, but I still hate the bad touch. I also hate the bad touch. And it makes me enjoy Rapping Rodney that much more. Yes. The bad touch, the name has now repurposed itself to stand its bad touch into every episode of the podcast. I feel like we're going to be bitching about that one for a while. It's our gold standard for the worst. So far. Track so far. So if we come across something that exceeds the bad touch, we'll make note of it. Otherwise, everything will be on a scale of Rapping Rodney to Bad touch, maybe? There are some weird owl. I don't know if it's better, but I like it more. Okay, so what would be your gold standard? What's your highest point of, of parody music? We haven't gotten there yet. We do know the bottom. The bad touch, anything Bloodhound Gang related, really. I want a hologram Rodney Dangerfield performing this song at next year's Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Well, America would not know what to do. I think that would really, a lot of like the divisiveness that the country is feeling now, I think we could all unite over a hologram Rodney Dangerfield. And you know, it's preventing that capitalism, so it wouldn't be a Super Bowl halftime, unfortunately. Maybe like the CMAs. All I'm saying is that if we have a hologram of Rodney Dangerfield 
it's going to take an effort. We'll call some people. We're going to start a Kickstarter. Only rap and rock. I don't want any other danger. No routines, because because no. the halftime is musical. There's no comedy routines. We just want Rodney. We just want R- Rodney Dangerfield hologram to do the entirety of the rap and Rodney. And video. we're going to try and track down Bashford and Franklin to do live background vocals. And if they're not alive, we're going to track down their successors to see if they're interested. Mm-hmm. They're not around. I'll just do it. Yeah. No respect. No respect. You could split your voice harmonically to make it sound like. Uh, yeah, I definitely have that talent. Yeah. yeah, I'm wasting my time on this podcast. Well, you know, you got to do something. Life can't be all Bashford and Franklin. It sounds like a shitty like lawyer team. Anything else? Nope, but we'll see you next time on our Van Halen podcast. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. <laughs> Panama. Reach down between my legs. Running with the devil. Easy Tick, 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 tock. Never open myself this way. <laughs> Life is ours, we live it our way. Sad but true. And you hit the lights. <laughs> lights. Get us up a battery. My star! Back in black! I hear the sack! There you go. But you know I'm glad to be back for those about to rock! We salute you! Done dirt cheap! She's got the jack! I'm on a highway! High voltage! She gets the jack! Well, I was out on a drive for a bit of a trip. Was born with a stiff. Stiff upper lip, like a bird out of hell. I'm on the highway to hell. I was caught in the middle of a railroad track. Thunder, ay ay shake your foundations, ay ay ay. Come on, come on, listen to the money. Come on, come on, cause I'm hard as a rock. Fly on the wall, the drummer was Simon Rich? Is that Simon, what's his name? Simon Wright, who played for Dio. <laughs> 
If you like this podcast, you're a certain type of person, and I bet you know someone else who will like this podcast for the exact same reasons you do. They're going to be so happy if you tell them about it, plus then you can discuss the episodes together. And if you still want to discuss more, reach out to us on Twitter at Put Chainsaw, Instagram at Put Down Your, or on Facebook at Put Down Your Chainsaw Pod. Leave a review on iTunes. It helps them prioritize us, which helps others find out about us. And we want to be found, baby. We want to be listened to. Put Down Your Chainsaw was produced and edited by Jacob Godby and Justin Asher. Recording, mixing, and music was by Justin Asher for Mnemonic Recordings. Also, special thanks to J.B. Moore and Robert Ford Jr., as well as Bashford and Franklin, for their contributions to this perfect work of art. And to Rodney Dangerfield, whose spirit animal is just trying to avoid getting eaten. I vaguely remember that we went to Genius.com for something or other. So just in case, I'll say thank you to Genius.com. We're almost done with the season, but we'll see you soon. Mnemonic Recording.